Amazing Cam has got time here on The Breakfast Show. Time to get into our Bible study. Lawson is going to bring us the first clue for our question before we get into our Bible study. First clue for, no, the first clue for the question after the news. That's right. Yes. But this is the fourth question of the day. But the fourth question of the day. That's right. Other than Thomas, what does other disciples' name starts with T? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text. Other than Thomas, what disciple's name starts with T? If you know the answer to that one, you will go into the draw to win our amazing Dr. Paul White's incredible Jungle Doctor books. All the watchers of The Chosen should know the answer to this one. Ah, oh, of, of this question. Yes. Yeah, or readers of the Bible. Or readers of the Bible. <laughs> but if you know the answer... Readers of the Bible, you're only going to... I'm going to shut I'm going to not say anything. 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And again, you'll go into the draw to win our Jungle Doctor books. We're giving you three of them, which okay. is a huge blessing to you. Yes, absolutely. So, all right, Lyle. Well, Do you like pumpkin? Uh, I like it more than sweet potato. Okay. Because uh, Suzanne says, my daughter dislikes sweet potato, but also pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Because of the sweetness, mm-hmm. loves all other veggies. She wants to know whether you like pumpkin as well. I was, it's interesting. You sort of you did definitely hesitated on pumpkin. Yeah, I, I didn't like it when I was younger, but now I'm like, oh, I'll I'll eat a piece of pumpkin. There's nothing worse than pumpkin as a dessert. You don't like pumpkin pie? No. Really? No. So that's actually something that I've come around on. No. I was like just a no big time pumpkin pie hater. No. But, no. dude, the, the pumpkin More and the no. cinnamon and it's... I really like it. Yes. Shell is crying. Yes. Shell is distraught. <laughs> she, she's like, I can't believe... She has made many pumpkin pies. I have eaten not one. <laughs> but, but that's the very thing that could convert you. See, this is a fruit that needs to be eaten as a vegetable. What? Nothing better than pump, baked pumpkin, baked in the oven mm. with olive oil and garlic. And- I don't mind that he doesn't like it. More pie for me. <laughs> <laughs> so she's not destroyed. This is why, this this is actually, why this is she marital, makes pumpkin pie. This is a marital benefit. <laughs> That's All awesome. right. Um, this one is says, hello, lovely music choice just now. Absolutely. Well, always lovely. But I love the, I love the Christ Christmas songs. Yeah, amen. So go produce a show. Doing an amazing job over there. Um, then another one here. Oh, we read that one. We've got that one twice, no? Yeah, we got one. We got a message came through twice. Mm. Okay, as a pre-diabetic, I avoid potatoes and rice because of the high starch. Mm-hmm. The starch can apparently cause sugar spikes. Oh, really? Okay, so I'd like to hear from a medical professional. Oh, you don't believe this I, guy? No, I, this lady Rachel says this. Uh huh. So. Because that's that that lines up with what people in Denmark believe. Yeah, but also this is like fifty four thousand Danish people, and the majority of them don't have diabetes. Like particularly those yeah, who don't yeah. want to eat mm. potato. Anyway, I'm, I'm I'm gonna dig further into this one. All right, potatoes, pancakes are the best. Cooked spuds, flour, water, herbs, salt, mash, then roll out flat, fry in a pan, serve with a dob of Nutellex, my great grandfather's recipe, except he used butter. Be better for you than butterlex, nutlex, even though nutlex is plant based. Mm-hmm. But um, margarine is just is essentially um, gear oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's an industrial oil. 
I do. I do have a bit of an addiction to it, but we won't go there. Um, yeah, that sounds absolutely. That sounds awesome. Amazingly delicious. I love things that are rolled out flat and cooked. It's oh. yeah. My father-in-law's hash browns, potato hash browns. You will not eat anything better on the planet. Maybe not so good for you because of you know butter and so forth that's mm. in there. But you will not eat anything better. <laughs> Okay, so that's the. We've got some more ones coming through here. Um, in the future, the humble potato might save your life. Food will be very scarce. This is true. Mm. And then this is a really good one right here. It says unions will cause havoc in the world in these last in these last days, and Christians should not belong to them. But this is a good end to your story. It's good to see a righteous judge, and I actually very strongly agree with that. I think that unions are going to create. Um, major problems in our world and mm. have done in the past. There has been an important role that they have played historically, and I accept that. Mm. Uh, at the same time, it's something that I would never be a part of. Mm. Uh, to tie myself into an organisation, to make myself a part of an organisation that is going to stand for things that I cannot agree with mm. is something I cannot do. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this person in the text message has referred us to Matthew chapter 13 in relationship to the story about the church in Georgia that has proposed a church growth church growth program of growing <laughs> cannabis. Okay, so Lawson, when you turn to Matthew chapter 13 and please read for us. There's a passage of scripture here that maybe this pastor hasn't read yet. Mm-hmm. I'm maybe thinking maybe he should. Um, Matthew chapter 13, Lawson, can you read for us verse 24 and 25, please? The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted seed in his field. But that, uh, sorry, but that night as the workers slept, his enemies came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. Okay, so who is it that is planting the weed? <laughs> the the, the enemy is yeah. planting the weed. <laughs> um, the Bible goes on to say, when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the weeds also. So the servants of the household said to him, Sir, didn't you just tell us to sow good seed in your field? Why then does it have weed? Mm-hmm. And he said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Will you then that we go and tear up the weed? And he said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with the weed. You the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And time of harvest, I'll say to the reapers, gather you together the first the tares, and or the weeds, and bind them into bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. I I think that's a little bit of a disingenuous, slightly exegesis of maybe, the text. Maybe eisegesis. Yeah, but. I still think that it applies. Said. <laughs> I still think it applies. <laughs> that's that's you're what planting weed that's, in your church. That's, you're what, that's what Jesus church. was getting at when he when he spoke this parable. <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, this is about drug use." <laughs> no, he wasn't talking about drug use. Yeah, but 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 if making your fits, church into a criminal criminal enterprise <laughs> in the state of drugs. Georgia. Is it's just it's not even the fact that they're growing marijuana. It's the fact that they're growing marijuana in a place where it's illegal to do so. Yes, that that is what's insane to me. Even more than uh, you know, like there are there are, and I will like happily with my chest call them like 
like crackpots. Like there are people out there who like like Christians who read like the use of hallucinogenic drugs into the Bible. Like pure eisegesis. They're like, yes. oh, this is something that's good for us. Oh, like marijuana is, you know, Jesus said we can eat every seed of the ground and marijuana is, is, is well, a Well, I meant your eisegesis with my eisegesis where it says an enemy has planted weed. <laughs> that's right. So, it, it, And I'll, I'll sit here and there are like even pastors who propagate that idea, including this guy. So like that's common, but the fact that he wants to do this in a state where it's illegal to do this. Yeah. That is what's crazy to me. That, I'm like, that. that is insane. Okay. L- literally, you're becoming an evil drug dealing. That's company. a mega church too. This is not like some little crackpot church down in the corner. This is a crackpot mega church. That, it's insane. But as, as the article points out, and as this text message is, church, church growth, um, 53% of Christians accept the legalization of cannabis in the United States. No wonder they believe anything the government tells Literally. them. They're all high on cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, seriously, if you've got 50. They're all high. <laughs> got, it's like, where do these stats come from? Where has the where has Christianity gone to? How incredibly biblically illiterate have people become where they have reached the point where they seriously think that a mind-altering, hallucinogenic, recreational drug is going to bring anything positive. Well, look, once you open the door to alcohol... This is the thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a free-for-all. This is the what thing. are you talking about? Like, exactly. of course they're going to think that. I know, I know done more damage than, than cannabis I has. know Christians in Australia who believe that. And alcohol is way easier to uh, debunk from the Bible than other any other drug. Absolutely. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. In fact, cannabis is not mentioned in Scripture. <laughs> and when I'm talking to people about cannabis use, it's alcohol that I go to. Because it is spoken of in Scripture, and I'm like, well, if the Bible says don't drink alcohol, then why would you be using cannabis? Mm. Okay, next one. I truly believe that all Christians should visit Creation Science Ministry. Mm. Creation.com is mm. the place to go. It has really helped me, especially in my early Christian walk, to believe the Bible and now in scientific challenges of the evolution theory, false science. Uh, if it doesn't speak according to the word, to the Bible, it is because there is no light in it. Mm. And that's the end of our text messages for this morning. So let's jump into our Bible study. And we are looking at a biblical worldview of the body. We are looking at the body as being um, a whole body, not a dualistic nature. Mm. So dualism. So we're going to talk a little bit about dualism. Uh, dualism is very ancient theory. Yeah. The Greeks believed it. Uh, the Egyptians kind of had tripleism rather than dualism because mm-hmm. you had the car, the bar, and the ark. Mm-hmm. But the Greeks had, you know, the the the, the common dualistic yeah. view of the human being mm-hmm. that we have today is uh, the one that comes from Greek philosophy, yeah. classical dualism, classical dualism. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the body is made up of two parts that are separate from each other, the mm-hmm. body and the soul. Mm-hmm. And that has come across into Christianity. 
from Greek mythology. That's its origin in Christianity. Mm. Uh, I think it has an origin in, you know, that goes way back older than Greek mythology, but that's where it has come in. Mm. And so for ancient Greek philosophers, the human body was the prison of the soul. Mm. It was where it was held captive. And the soul was liberated by death. Mm. It's like, why not just go die then? Um, Christians today echo that by believing the body is the temporal housing of the immortal soul, which will be reintegrated with the body at the resurrection. Mm. Okay, so if the body is a prison, then why do we want to get our prison back again at the resurrection? That doesn't make any sense to me. That's kind of weird. And neither to me. And if it's a temporal housing, why do you want to have a temporal housing back again? Mm. But you do see this concept, you know, often. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, people describe themselves as a ghost in a shell. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how they look at it. Then you've got the contrast that we've got pantheists that make the body divine. Mm. Um, They believe that God and the universe are one and the same. All things are God. The human body is part of one single integrated universal divine substance. Mm. Uh, I think there's that movie out at the moment that's pushing this one really hard. Uh, what's Avatar. It Avatar. Yeah, Avatar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, the whole universe is one living thing that is fully integrated. Yeah. Mm. The Bible doesn't teach that either. Mm-hmm. So let's look at what the Bible does teach regarding the nature of humanity. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, as I'm just turning there. The Bible says, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy. And you are that temple. Okay, so let's think about this for a moment. Uh, The pantheistic view where you are God and Uh uh, you are part of God and God is the universe and God is everything that is is in it and you are a part of, you know, an integral part of the universe. How would this verse clarify that? Well, this says that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So that you are God. So you have God... But God lives within you if you surrender yourself to God and allow him to do so. And then it says those who destroy the temple will be destroyed. And if they're destroyed, well, then they're not part of God. That's right. So it seems as though God is something different or exclusive from the the temple, which is us, but he has the ability to dwell in us. And I think the perfect illustration of that is what we see in the, the earthly sanctuary itself, where they build a temple... They build, you know, and if you think of the first temple, it's made out of, you know, all various materials. They build this tent, and then they have the Ark of the Covenant inside, and on the top of the Ark of the Covenant is God's literal presence. But he isn't the temple. He isn't the robes. He isn't the, the curtain. He isn't He isn't the Ark of the Covenant, but he's there inside dwelling. And this is what it shares about us as well, too, that we are a temple. And it's it's crazy that Christians are, have even gone to the extent of accepting pantheism, in a sense, and saying, like, we are God. And do you know how they've come to that conclusion? 
this, enlighten us. This, this is this is this blows my mind. This blows my mind. It's like this is these are Christian people who are getting up and preaching the message of Jesus. Okay. Mm. They believe that when Satan said we will become like God if we eat the fruit, that Satan was telling the truth. And when we ate the fruit, we actually did become like God. But it was negative for us, and we don't understand how to be like God. So that's why we die. So God wants to reduce us again to not being God. These are people preaching the message of Jesus, and they're saying that Satan was telling the truth. Like, these are people who identify as It just as makes my brain hurt. It's crazy, isn't it? It's like, seriously, you read the Bible and you come to that conclusion. Yeah. Oh, Satan was actually telling the truth, and... Uh, and but then they those are the kinds of people who propagate the idea that the Old Testament God is evil and the New Testament God is good. You know, J- Jesus is a response to the Old Testament God who is actually nice and solves everyone's problem because the Old Testament God was so mean and terrible, especially to Satan who just wanted Man, you to be like... Man, he flicked the switch real fast, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He changed up, you know, and, and, and they create this... They've obviously never read Revelation 14 <laughs> verse... Uh, <laughs> Eight, nine. Yeah, well, they would probably 10, avoid Revelation because it doesn't make sense to them. Uh, but yeah, it's it's insane. But what we're reading here is like, no, you are not God. Satan was not telling the truth. Like you are a creator. God can being live in you. Who God can live in? Yes, God can live in you, but you are not God. And that's the very point, actually, because what Adam and Eve did by eating the fruit was disallowing God to live in them. That's right. It, they actually and pushed that's what God away. Death. And that's what brought death. Yes. But by coming, by by repenting, by accepting Jesus, you give God the ability to live within you again. Not that you become God, that but that you become his son, his daughter. You become a creation. You become a follower of him. So for somebody who believes in dualism, mm-hmm. then theoretically what you've got is you've got a body, mm-hmm. you've got the soul, uh-huh. and if you're a Christian, you've also got God. So you've got mm-hmm. three entities living in run. One, that sounds more Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what did you say before? The car, the bar, and the, and the ark. Ark? Yeah. Ark spelled A-H. It was probably A-H-K. written in a different language. <laughs> it, was probably, it was probably written in hier- hieroglyphs. <laughs> yeah, but the bar, the car, and the ark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, anyway, it's not a, it's not a, a comparison mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with what we've got here. But the important point is that you've got two entities right here, not three. Mm-hmm. You've got the person uh-huh. and you've got God uh-huh. and God can live in the person. Uh-huh. But if the person doesn't want God to live in the person, then God doesn't live in the person and the person dies. Mm-hmm. It's really that simple. Let's mm-hmm. go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and we're going to look at verse 19 and 20. We've got a few verses here from 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19, the Bible says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Okay, so the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was given to you by God. Mm-hmm. It does not say that you are the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. If you are God, how do you give yourself God? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people say, oh, you know, New Age and pantheism and Christianity are one and the same thing because we all believe that God is within us. Mm -hmm. But this is not what the Bible is teaching right here. Mm. The Bible is teaching that God can be in you, but the Bible is not teaching that you are God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting that when pantheism first started to creep into Christianity, uh, the people who first called it out 
were missionaries mm. from India. Wow. So Because they had like experienced that. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. They knew all of the arguments how to combat pantheism because they were missionaries to Hindu people who were pantheists. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And Lawson is about to bring you the last question for the quiz. That's right. After finding out Mary was pregnant, what did Joseph want to quietly do? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. Again, that question was, after finding out Mary was pregnant, what did Joseph want to quietly do? If you know the answer, you go into the draw to win our Dr. Paul White's Best Beloved Amazing Jungle Doctor Series books. You can win three of them. There's a whole host of them. We're going to give you three. And they are perfect books for your kids. Perfect books for you. If you want to be inspired and read amazing testimonies about Paul White and his work as a medical missionary in Africa. Dude, these books are a go-to. But again, that question was, after finding out Mary was pregnant, what did Joseph want to quietly do? 0491-064-669. All right, so we've been discussing pantheism here and Lawson has um, been experimenting with his AI from yesterday (laughs) and punched a question about pantheism into his AI and actually came up with a whole bunch of really good Bible verses. I just said write a short essay explaining why pantheism is unbiblical. Use Bible verses to prove your point. (laughs) And it just did. And it just did. This shit like really well. Really, really I'll, good essence. I'll read you guys one of the, the paragraphs. One verse that refutes pantheism. This is written by an AI, okay? One verse that refutes pantheism is Isaiah 44, 6, which says, I am the first and the last. Beside me, there is no God. This verse makes it clear that God is distinct from his creation. There is no other being that is equal to him. There, there you go. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. I'm going to shut my computer lid. I'm yeah, to- I know. It's just, it's just <laughs> such a massive distraction, this computer of yours right here and this AI that you've been experimenting with. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Lawson, can you uh, read this one for us? The Bible says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Okay, how does this speak to the indivisibility of the human of the human being. Mm-hmm. Well, it says here that how we give glory to God is how we take care of our body. Our physical body. That's right, whether we eat or drink. And so if the if the human was dualistic, mm-hmm. then the only thing that we really need to worry about is our soul. Mm-hmm. We don't really need to worry about our body. We can because we like to and that's our choice. And it's a good idea and it's recommended. Mm-hmm. that we look after our body, but there's no moral requirement to look after our body if we accept a dualistic nature of humanity. Mm. But if we accept an indivisible nature of humanity, that we are created in the image of God, that you cannot separate you know, one part from the other, then taking a good care of our physical body is just as important as taking good care of our spiritual connection with God. So our spiritual health and our physical health are just as important as each other. Mm. And this is what Paul says right here. He says, look, whether you eat or whether you drink, do it to the glory of God. This is why uh, I think it's in uh, Third John where John is writing to his friend Gaius and he says, 
Beloved, I pray that you that all may be well with you and that you may be in good health, just as uh, this is a translation I'm not used to, but um, but he is praying that his friend Gaius will be in good health. Mm. Why is he concerned for his health? Why wouldn't he just be concerned for his body? Why wouldn't he? Sorry, for his soul. Why wouldn't he just be concerned with his spiritual health? No, mm. this is why we go back to what we were studying yesterday, where we find that Jesus spent more time healing than he did preaching. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason that Jesus did that, and the reason that Jesus called us to be medical missionaries as well as spiritual missionaries, is because the human being is indivisible. Mm. You cannot separate the soul and the body; they're all one and the same thing. They're perfectly united together and your physical life affects your spiritual life and your spiritual life affects your physical life. I'm going to say something controversial. I can tell. By I'm going to say something controversial. I theologically sympathize um, with the idea of, well, I sympathize with the idea of suicide cults if your understanding and your belief is, is dualistic. One hundred percent. It's logical. It may like as controversial, it's horrific. It's te- like the most awful thing in the world. But But it's logical. It makes sense. It's basically, oh, we are trapped in this body, in this pain and suffering of the world. Particularly if you take dualism to its logical conclusion, which is there can't be a second coming. There's no need for a second coming because if everything's dualistic, then bodies are the problem. So there is no need for a resurrection. If you if you take that to its end, yeah, then suicide cults absolutely make sense because it's like if you are sincerely convicted that this life is awful and terrible and full of pain because your soul is stuck in this awful prison, then why not leave? And it also makes sense why the Roman Catholic Church made suicide a mortal sin. Mm. Because if you believe in dualism, then the logical conclusion is a suicide cult. So how do you combat a suicide cult? Because if that takes off, then your church ceases to exist. Yeah. So let's make suicide a mortal sin and you and you have eternal burning hellfire for anyone who commits suicide. That's so right. Which you is- have the, both the poison and the antidote to try and counteract the symptoms for the poison you've just had, but all you're doing is... <laughs> Solving the symptoms rather than solving the problem. That's right. Whereas if you actually go back to the problem and say, no, the problem is accepting Greek philosophical dualism, then you don't have to have the antidote to solve something which is no longer a poison. Which is just And you don't have to make it up out of thin air. Incredibly illogical. Like that that's the ultimate thing, is just how how much that doesn't make sense. And think of the heartache that that has created. Think of the heartache that that doctrine has created for people who have become mentally unwell Mm. and have committed suicide and uh, the church has turned around for, what, the last 2,000 years and Mm. said, well, they've gone to eternal hellfire. Mm. And it carries on. You know, I often get get questions today in relationship to this. Mm. You know, is suicide the unpardonable sin? There are a lot of people out there who actually believe that suicide is the unpardonable sin. And I'm not saying that suicide is not a sin. Mm. What I am saying is that God takes into account when he judges our mental wellness, our mental Mm. health. And what I am also saying is that there are many people who reach a point where they've gone too far in the process of suicide but still have the opportunity to repent. Mm. 
And so this is not something that we can ever judge. Mm. We just can't. Mm. Only God can judge these kinds of situations. But look at the pain and the heartache that false doctrines and false teachings create in our world. Mm. All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, where the Bible says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They'll reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Okay, so you've got God... Who then creates. Yes. And something else comes into existence. Mm -hmm. I think the important thing here is that something else comes into existence. Yeah. And you still have God and you still have something else. I think in the clearest possible language, this is saying the thing that's created isn't God. That's right. If something is an image of something, if I make a painting or a statue, it is not me. No. And this is... It might look like you. It might have aspects that reflect you, but it is not you. And this is saying in the clearest possible image, this thing is made in the image of God. Yes. There you go, your pantheism out the door. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Dave. With Mike. You're listening to Mary, did you know? That's like, I'm not even sure what that all says right there. But anyway, you just were listening to... You were listening to a song and it was about Christmas. And it was nice. It it was. And it was a blessing because it was about Jesus. Absolutely. Okay, let's uh, read some answers to our quiz questions for today. Over whose descendants did the angel say Mary's son would rule? It's over Jacob's descendants. Faith without works is... Dead. That was our fill in the blank. Where did Mary go to visit Elizabeth? They she went to the city of Judah. That's where they met up. Uh, the other disciple, whose name starts with T, his name is Thaddeus. And finally, after finding out Mary was pregnant, what did Joseph want to quietly do? Actually, he wanted to to divorce her because he believed that she had committed adultery. But. Uh, Yeah, those were the questions for today, and right now it is time for... Question of the Day! Alright, well, our question of the day today comes from Freco, and he asks, Revelation 15.2 and the song In the Sweet By and By, are they connected? The answer is I don't know. So it could either be connected to Revelation chapter 15, or it could be connected to a popular myth within Christianity. So if we look at the lyrics for In the Sweet By and By, you know, there's a land that is fairer than day and by faith we can see it afar. By the way, this was written by a guy named uh, Webster in Wisconsin. My wife comes from Wisconsin, so this is where the hymn came from, uh, in the early mid-1800s. There's a land that is fairer than day and by faith we can see it afar, for the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. Okay, that's all fair enough. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about the new earth, etc. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. And that's probably where the connection would come to Revelation chapter 15, if there is a connection. What is it about the beautiful shore? How do we meet on that beautiful shore? And what shore is that? So if we go over to Revelation chapter 15... And I would like to think this is where the connection is. Uh, 
The Bible says in Revelation 15 and verse 2, I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his, over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvellous are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, you King of Saints. And so if this is very much a direct reference to the Exodus, because the song of Moses was sung on the shores of the Red Sea after the Israelites had crossed the Red Sea on dry land and the Egyptian army had been destroyed in the sea. And so when you read the song of Moses, it's the song of their experience. It's a song of victory. It's a song of God's deliverance. And it's a song that celebrates the fact that God is taking them to the promised land. And so in this context, the shore in in the sweet by and by, you know, stand on that beautiful shore, the shore would represent the Red Sea, the shores of the Red Sea, and it would represent the fact that we have crossed the Red Sea to go to the promised land. In other words, we have crossed the Red Sea to go to heaven. Mm. So that's the connection that I would see between Revelation 15 and the hymn. However, that may not be the connection. In Greek mythology, there was a river called the River Styx. And in Greek mythology, when a person died, you had to pay the ferryman to take you across the River Styx. And that was kind of adopted by Christianity, who called it the River of Death. And rather than the ferryman, you had the angel of death who would take you across and hopefully you would get across to the other side where you would go to heaven and you would stand on that beautiful shore in heaven when you died. The song doesn't define which shore it's talking about. And if it was talking about the river of death, it's a song that we would never sing because that's unbiblical. You won't find that anywhere in Scripture. Mm. Um, there's no biblical allusion to it. It is simply a myth that has come through from Greek mythology. However, if it's talking about the shores of the Red Sea and it's making an allusion to the Song of Moses, that those who are victorious over the beast, his image, his mark, his number of his name, etc., stand on the sea of glass and sing, having arrived in the promised land, uh, and I tend to think that is where it comes from, mm. then that is definitely biblical. And so because of that, this is a great hymn. Sing it with great enthusiasm whenever you get the opportunity and always think of Revelation chapter 15 and Exodus chapter 15 whenever you sing this song with the Song of Moses and the Lamb. There's a land that is fairer than day And by faith we can see it afar For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore We shall sing on that beautiful shore the melodious songs of the blessed And our spirits shall sorrow no more Not a sigh for the blessing of red In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by 
We shall meet on that beautiful shore To our bountiful Father above We will offer our tribute of praise For the glorious gift of His love And the blessings that hollow our day In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore In the sweet by and by We shall meet on that beautiful shore We shall meet on that beautiful shore. That brings us to the end of The Breakfast Show this morning. Do stay tuned. There's going to be more amazing programming coming up right after this. Right now, don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. For being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.